standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave, testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> Uh, well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> Who else could it be? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Prime Time with Sean Mooney. I hope you're all enjoying your summer. Yeah, because that's where we are, right in the middle of summer right now. And uh, I hope uh, you're making the best of it. I know for many of you that doesn't mean a whole lot because you're still working. Uh, and it doesn't really change things up. But the kids are off from school, and that means they're in the house a lot more. Uh, we have one of those in their bedrooms, playing video games all the time, eating you out of house and home, driving you crazy. Well, Prime Time with Sean Mooney is here to help, to carry you away from all that stress at work and now at home. <laughs> and we have uh, a nice long episode this week to give you a nice respite, as they say, from it all. And I will get to that episode in just a minute. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Ryback. A great feedback uh, from that conversation. Uh, people still have very strong feelings about the big guy. But it was great to hear his perspective and learn more about the behind the scenes of his career. You know, and um, you know, he was homegrown talent from the WWE and got some big pushes along the way. But uh, again, we're reminded just how tough a world it is to make it. Uh, you got to know how to maneuver through it. And uh, interesting that after all of that, after all he went through, and actually having his body healed, uh, if uh, you're going to, uh, if you haven't listened to that episode when he talks about, you know, this uh, disc rejuvenation from stem cells, I mean, just amazing. He wants to get back in the ring. Can you believe it? I would think I got this second chance. My body is whole again. No way. But he wants to get back in there. And I guess, you know, it's some unfinished business. And I hope uh, that is the right decision for Ryback. Uh, he is his own man, though. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. And uh, whatever your feelings about him, uh, the man definitely grabs your attention. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for him. And I want to thank Ryback for coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I want to welcome all of our new Patreon members. I hope you're all enjoying all of the great content that we keep adding every week. Much more is on the way. If you have not joined us yet, why haven't you? What's going on? <laughs> We're having a lot of fun. Uh, we've just started something new with uh, your membership. Uh, as you know, I have been trying to stay up with all the phone calls. At this point, I know that uh, I'm pretty sure that I've called just about every single member at least once, at least once. And if that is not the case, please email me. You know what it is, primetimemooney at gmail.com, primetimemooney at gmail.com, and let me know. But now, what we're going to be doing now, is when you do sign up, when you sign up, uh, I'm going to call you right away, that day. And uh, that way, uh, when you see that 602 area code number come up on the phone, I think that's what it comes up on Skype, uh, you know it's me, and you'll answer. And it also allows me to stay up to date on all the phone calls. If I just get them done... You know, that way I've made that connection and I don't have to go back on the listen. Boy, you know, did I call them? When did I call them last? So this way I'm going to do it right away. And you know that uh, if, if I don't get you, I'll leave a message and we'll, we'll try and uh, connect later. But I'm going to do that now from uh, now moving forward. If you join us on Patreon, I will call you that day. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun because um, that way yeah, I'll actually have a conversation. A lot of these, uh, they don't answer the phone because they say, who the hell is this? So if you'd like to join us, just go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney, patreon.com slash primetimemooney, and sign up, and I will call you, okay? So uh, why are you still listening? Go do it. Pause the podcast. I'll wait. 
or just do it after you get listen, uh, done listening. Okay. All righty. Uh, I love this episode this week. Now, <clears throat> you know that I love uh, talking to the big time superstars, the big names, the ones everybody knows, of course, but you also know me. I think some of the best episodes that we have ever had on our uh, podcast are guests that you may not have necessarily, uh, you know, known that well or, or who had been on the main stage at the top of the card. And so you know that uh, we, we have done that many times and those episodes are awesome. And if you know wrestling well, you know just how important good enhancement talent is uh, when it comes to putting another talent over. Now, you know, wrestling management, you know, when they're planning on giving some guy uh, or, or a woman a big push uh, in those early matches, uh, they want to make sure that they have a great performance. They want they, they be they want to be able to gauge the crowds, you know, that they're out there watching these matches to kind of get an idea of how people are going to react to whoever this talent might be. And so that means they have to have somebody in there with them who is good. Well, one of the best ever joins us uh, on this episode, and he is just excited about the business and life <laughs> as he was when I knew him in the WWF some 25-plus years ago. And it's time to get to my conversation with one of the best enhancement talents ever, a big pat on the back of my guest, Barry Horowitz. Ding, ding, ding. I'm not sure if my guest kept count, but during the span of his career, he put over some of the biggest names in the history of professional wrestling. I don't think there was a superstar or a star in wrestling that uh, he has not been in the ring with. And the ability to do that, folks, is truly an art. And that artist joins us right now, the one and only Barry Horowitz. Barry, how are you? Great, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know, it's hard to believe, but it has been, you know, 20 something plus years, 25 plus years since uh, I saw you. Uh, it, it really I, is amazing how fast it flies by. It's, it's, it is amazing. I think, like I said, I think the last time I saw you was either 92 or 93. Yeah. And now, 20 some odd years later, I hear through the grapevine that you've got like one of the top podcasts in the world. Well, I don't know in the world, but it's doing pretty well. And I'll tell you, the, the, <laughs> yeah. let's put this top in the United States. <laughs> yeah, well, well, uh, you know, it's, there, there is that uh, something to wrestle out there. They got eighty-three weeks. Those guys are doing pretty darn well too. But I'll tell you what, uh, it, it has been doing great. And the best part about it is I get to talk to old friends like you. Yep. It's re it's really been awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I got a lot to talk to you about because. Uh, you, what a crazy ride! What a wild ride you had through the uh, the years in professional wrestling. Uh, mm -hmm. I, you paid your dues. You you had uh, all these great highs. You had lows. I mean, it's it just a really great story. But before we even get to that, a lot of people don't know your background. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, as an athlete, and I know you went to Florida State uh, University, mm -hmm. and you uh, were a, a great amateur wrestler. Yeah, I would say. I'm not going to say great, but thank you for the compliment. I appreciate oh. it. Man, I wrestled. I started in the youth center in St. Pete, Florida, where I'm from, and you know, progressed through school and college. And and uh, I dropped out. And the only reason I dropped out was financial reasons, but the main reason was to turn pro, and that was my dream. So I oh, guess really? I could have continued three more years and maybe missed my dream. I don't know, and I don't look at it like I missed anything because. Um, College is, is hyped up a lot. I mean, it really is, especially nowadays. I mean, ask Bill Gates. I mean, you know, you don't have to go to college. I think the main thing in my, in my uh, experience in life is common sense and graduate high school. Yeah, that's, that's a that's good That's what point. I think. Yeah. But, but you know, uh, I mean, is this something, though, that you had always dreamed of? I don't know at what age you... Uh, became interested in professional wrestling. I'm sure you were involved in other sports, but when did this start to become a part of your life? I'm going to say 14 or 15. I was involved in um, Little League Baseball, soccer. Yeah. I liked football, but yeah. wrestling wrestling was the big one. I mean, it caught me, and I didn't stop. It wasn't like, a, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be this. And some people say it, and it falls away. It's a pipe dream, but I didn't stop. I mm -hmm. did not stop. I mean, that was 24-7, you know, trying to get a hold of people. And I said, well, before that, you know, you got to build yourself up. And I was training and the protein shakes and doing everything I can, watching match after match. And 
uh, well, first, you know, of course, the amateurs and paying your dues, like you said. I liked what you said, by the way, in the beginning. Two things that stand out that you said that were outstanding. Paying your dues, and it's an art, what I've did. Not too many people could say it that way or even understand it because they don't, they don't have a clue. They do not have a clue. And some of these guys are wrestlers now, are workers, and they still don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> because and, and, they're no, but, living their gimmick. Yeah, yeah, but we're 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 going to get uh, you know into that because, like you said, a lot of people don't understand uh, mm-hmm. you know the world of of enhancement talent and and people that you know you know I've said it many times that uh, you know we talk about all these professional teams out there and you have a league mm-hmm. and you have hundreds of professional yeah. athletes that are involved in these. Sure. Well, the WWF WWE has a roster it hasn't changed as far as the numbers of people that are are on that roster and they are the elite in the world and no matter where you are on that roster to get there you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of others who never got a sniff who have trained for hours and hours and and dreamed and wanted to you know so uh, that's that's a whole other discussion here but as far as you getting trained I mean when did it become uh, something that you said, you know what, I'm going to go after this. Because you ended up training with Boris Malenko, which is uh, pretty amazing in Tampa. But when did this start to become a reality? I'm going to say, I mean, it was always a reality with me. And I was just chasing my dream and pursuing and and, um, just going after it. And, you know, like the saying goes, never give up. And um, I actually, through a friend, through a friend, met a businessman. Uh, he's passed away now. It's a shame. His name was Lenny Greenberg, and he owned a salvage yard, but not your average salvage yard. It was acres. I mean, he was a multimillionaire 30 years ago, and mm-hmm. he had a lot of connections, and he liked me, but he liked wrestling, but his connections were big, and he says, I'm going to find somebody. Believe me, he says, I will find somebody that knows what to do, and sure enough, he gets me an appointment, an address an interview, basically, a tryout, if you will, with Boris Malenko. Mm. And there was the door that opened. And you know what? To this day, I am so grateful because nothing against anybody else, nothing against any other trainers, but old school, new school, I'm seeing how guys are training lately. I mean, some are, it's okay, it's, it's comparable, but I don't think they're paying the same amount of dues, not exactly, but you're done in four or five months. I mean, uh, I, I just don't get that. And, and who's training these coaches? I mean, you know, when you see somebody getting trained, you want somebody, either a former athlete or a guy that's been still wrestling, but he's, you know, he's been around at least 10, 15 years. He's worldly. Yeah. He could teach everything. You can't yeah. just teach an, uh, you know, an arm bar, an arm drag. You got to do the whole, I mean, it's got to go everywhere. Of course, when you travel and, and travel with other people and watch film, you will get polished by on-the-job training, so to speak. I mean, there's certain things. Malenko built my foundation. That's what he did. Getting into the ring, locking up holds, moves, stuff like that. The rest of the story, the polishing, the high spots, the traveling, all that stuff gets when you get on the road six days a week and you're traveling with people like uh, Jay Youngblood, Ric Flair, Bob Orton Jr., Ricky Steamboat, um, oh, Rufus R. Jones, Boogie Woogie Man. I mean, all these guys, Johnny Weaver, uh, Piper, you're listening to them. You're in the car with them. You absorb, yeah. you don't, you know, and you listen and you listen and you watch. I mean, you watch every single match. You don't, your first match, you're not targeted out the door. Where are you going? I'm 21 years old. Stay to the end. And that's what we, we were, we were. Um, had to stay to the end when we worked for Crockett Promotions, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Watch every match. Yeah. Watch um, every match. Yeah. Before we get into those early days and when you actually uh, sure. were working, uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned working with Malenko. And, mm-hmm. you know, back in those days, we talk old school, pretty yeah. much when you came through that door, even if you got the foot through, uh, mm-hmm. they were, they pretty much wanted to, uh, you know, see if you had what it, what it, took to to get through it and they basically tried to stretch you and you know kick you out the door because uh they wanted to know if you were gonna 
have what it was going to uh, uh, take to, to continue on in the business. And what was that experience like for you? Well, it was a grind because I was, I was, every job I took, I knew I wouldn't stay there. I never mm-hmm. told him, hey, I'm going to be a wrestler stuff. I just knew any job I took, I, I mean, it was to, to make some money. I needed some money for supplements and what have you and to pay my gym fees. But you're working all day. Three times a week, you're at Malenko's. And when I first started, it was O'Malley's or Ed O'Malley's. He's a judo champion. He may be still alive. Little rinky-dink gym in um, Tampa. I don't even know where it is now. It still may be there, but... This room would hold maybe 20 people. It had one-inch mats, and you're taking so, backdrops and hip tosses. Under cement, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, yeah, exactly. From um, uh, Malenko's sons, Jody and Shelly Malenko. And um, you're doing that. And also, he would bring in Carl von Stroheim and Carl Gotch. So they mm. would come in every now mm. and then, but mostly it was the three of them. So you're in this place here. Now we, we graduated. It was only a couple of months here. We graduated to this dilapidated Florida mattress factory. It had two rings. It had a big one and a small one. It's about 104 in the, in the summer and about 40 oh. in the winter. Not too many water oh, breaks. Man. Not too many bathroom breaks. Three hours. And you just, go, I mean, you're a mess when you're done. And you're exhausted, too. And you're taking bumps, you're learning rolls, you're getting, uh, you're doing a little bit of everything. Nothing was rushed. I mean, I don't think I got in the ring and just circled and grabbed a headlock. That took months. He never rushed anything. Mm-hmm. And then he would go over different things, and you go over it until it's right and so forth, and um, just different methods he he had. Um, and, you know, of course, the exercises, stretching. Uh, the exercises with other people, um, and um, the wrestling itself, you know, scrimmaging and what have you. Yeah. So that was 18 so, months that before that you went on actually, for about, yeah, that went on for about a year and a half because I wanted to stay until he said, you're, you're ready to go ready, now. You need ready, to get, uh, order a pair of boots. You don't need those boots now, he says right now. He says, when you're ready to leave here, and he, get, he gives me a sheet of paper. And you could see everybody's is written on there. It was like Don Owens in Portland, Jim Crockett in um, uh, Charlotte, uh, yeah. Puerto Rico. It had uh, it didn't uh, it had everybody but there but the um, Florida office. And I think the main reason was is because Malenko and the Florida office weren't getting along then because he left yeah. them. And yeah. I think it was bad terms. So, but all these territories. W- What's that? Yeah, all these but territories, territories WWF. Right. So basically, he has that, and it's got phone numbers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what made me do it, but I picked the back time. It was the WWF, and it was owned and run by Vince Senior. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I got in a car, and I drove there. I drove to New Jersey, and uh, I found a cheap apartment. And the first thing I did. Here's a phone booth. Uh, let's see, where was it? It was off a, in the be- uh, off the beach in Belmar, New Jersey. And mm-hmm. I call up Monsoon at his house. <laughs> now, I don't know anything that Monsoon, and I'm trying to pull a fast one. He's going, I said, I would love to, you know, uh, come and do TVs. Okay, we got it in, we have it in, we run it in Allentown on Tuesday, Wednesday is Hamburg. You'll be there from, you'll be there, you know, almost the whole night. In two days, I would wrestle six days. And they paid me well, and I had a part-time job. And uh, there, was no, there was no catering back then. And uh, locker room was, it was not even a locker room, it was, you know, curtains with, there was a bathroom in there. And there must have been like 50 guys in there. I mean, mm. Saito, P- Pedro Morales, Mr. Fuji, mm-hmm. Snooka. Bob Backlund was the champion. Um, it, it was it was Blackjack Mulligan. It was overwhelming. But I went in there, and I was nervous, and I did what I was supposed to, walk up there and just shake everybody's hand, do what you're told. Yeah. So anyway, what I'm getting at is with Monsoon, here I go, oh, how long have you been working, kid? Well, two years. No, I haven't. I, I just didn't want him, I didn't want him <laughs> to know I was. this is my first attempt. But yeah. they did like me. 
I remember my first two matches. My first match was against Angela Mosca Sr. Beat the hell out of me. But that's part of paying dues. You were 21. And then Don Morocco, which was awesome. He he took care of me a little bit better. Mosca Sr. was kind of a... I don't know if he's, you know, I'm not bad-mouthing him, but I think he's up there with that Vader, Stan Hansen, that bully-type mentality. And I, I don't like that. Yeah. You yeah, know, no, Brody you're had supposed that, to take had, care of each other. Had, yeah. Right. Brody had that a little working. bit. You know, you're not a tough guy if you're kicking somebody in the face. And anybody could do that. It's a shoot. You know, you're a tough guy if you could kick me in the face and make it look like it killed me. Yeah. That's a talent. But to just shoot and kick in the face, well, if you're that tough, Brody or Stan Hansen or Vader, well, why don't you go to M- Why don't you go to UFC? Because you guys will last about two minutes. Yeah, that's well. Why. Brad, Brad Hart always took pride in the fact that uh, he never hurt anybody, and and uh, you know if there was ever a potato, I mean, it was, you know, uh, was not intended because his right. whole thing was that you, you showed how good you were by being able to make it sell that. That's way. an artist. That's yeah, an artist. That's exactly- were there uh, exactly. who who was it? Anyone early on with uh, those that group of, uh, of of wrestlers who uh, took you under their wing or or you know who helped you out a great deal? Yeah, I think. Let those me think days. now. Yeah, let me think. I mean, Bob Blackman was very nice to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Rick Martell. Uh, let me think. Who else? Uh, Johnny Rods, Jose Estrada. Uh, very, you know, very good to me. Um, Don Morocco. Um, really awesome. Um, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Um, I'm just trying to think, you know, the main guys up there at that time. <sighs> Tony Atlas was pretty cool. Uh, Rocky uh-huh. Johnson was awesome. I traveled with him a few times. Uh, I guess, you know, I, I'm probably missing somebody, and I don't mean to slight anybody, but uh, that's my that's the main dudes there. Yeah, yeah that was uh, quite a roster back then. And uh, oh yeah. Now, so this is uh, I, I, I guess around oh, seventy nine eighty when you're. When I'm going to say let's this, go with eighty. Yeah, yeah, eighty. Okay. So, but uh, mm-hmm. besides WWWF, uh, did you start working these other territories? You know, Crockett. I mean, uh, Mid Atlantic. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they have, there's there's places you could wrestle in in Canada. Were, were you starting to do? Did, these making the rounds or doing these different tours with the territories or how did it work for you? Yeah. What happened was I stayed with Vince senior, probably a year or better. And I went up to him at TV in, uh, where was it? Was it Hamburg or Allentown? <laughs> it may have been Hamburg. I'm not sure. But uh, during the year, as I got better, they started giving me bookings. What they would do is their format. There was no booking sheet. You would sit down it was, let's see, was it, I think it was Hamburg. You would get there, let's say we started at seven or eight, and you'd get there like four or something, and Angelo Savoldi would be sitting at a table, and he'd go next, S.D. Jones, Tony Atlas, what have you, and he would say, okay, you're in Scranton, the third. You're in Allentown, the fourth. You'd write it down Mm -hmm. in a book and get your booking. So, I said, God, I wonder if they'll ever call me. And eventually they did. And I would only get, I wouldn't, they'd get a month of bookings. I got maybe three or four shots, but they paid well. Okay. And sometimes they paid me. I didn't even wrestle. I mean, they took care of me pretty, pretty well. It was pretty cool. And um, so eventually I went to Vince Sr. And I said, you know, I've been here. I'm not going to learn anymore. I need to learn and get worldly. I want to do this for a career. This is not a part-time thing. So I was supposed to go through Jimmy Snuka to Portland, but it was full. So Vince mm-hmm. sent me to Crockett Promotions. Got in my car and I drove there. Me and Bob Bradley. Bob the Cat Bradley. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's a funny, weird situation. We go there and there's a the Douglas Airport Hotel. And it was a Best Western. And a lot of guys would stay there because... The rooms were nice, they were old, and they would make you food 24-7 because they catered to the wrestlers. Uh-huh. And eventually I got a clue. I mean, it was there two years. After a year, I got a studio apartment and saved some money. <laughs> but, um, you know, you would, uh, you would do that, and uh, it was a big, you know, when I drove there, 
getting back to the where I'm, I'm getting confused. I'm, I'm thinking too much ahead. Me and Bob drove there, okay, and he lasted a week. Oh, that was really? it. He says, "Yeah, it was crazy because we got there and we did TV at a TV studio. I remember because of um, I think Michael Hayes was partly in charge." Yeah. and doing the booking and, and so forth. And we were at a TV studio. It was weird. I remember those. I've been in a couple of those. You know, there's not that much room in there. They could fit a ring in there and maybe 50 people for the audience. Right. Kind of similar to the Sportatorium in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, 106 North Albany in Tampa. That's where they filmed Florida Championship Wrestling, Gordon Soley, forever. Yeah. But um, we go there. Bob's my roommate. He's there a week, and he says, Barry, I'm homesick. I'm going back to Washington. Tell Dory Funk Jr. I can't do this anymore. I said, Bob, you need to call him and tell him. You're... No, I'm going, man. So I had to tell Dory. So it was Dory that was the main. I remember that. And Michael Hayes was helping out. Yeah. But were you course, getting bookings? Jimmy I mean, Crockett. Were they... Yeah. What's that? Were they giving you, were they giving you good bookings, or were you going to, you know, part oh, of Oh, no, I was, no, I was full-time. Oh, yeah. God, I was, I was on the road at least – Five days a week. Yeah. I was wrestling at least five to six days a week. I'm in the car every day with Sonny Fargo or Tommy Young, the referee, and I'm driving with people like Vinny Valentino, Boogie Woogie Man, Rufus Jones. Um, sometimes I drive with Bugsy. Sometimes I drive with uh, uh, Jay Youngblood or, or Rick Steamboat, and sometimes I would drive me just me and Mike Rotundo. Yeah, hundreds but and hundreds of went, miles. Oh yeah. I'm talking that South Carolina and North Carolina, Sean, is huge for little spot shows. And then you've got your big shows in Greensboro, the Charlotte Coliseum. And then we'd venture off to Fredericksburg, Virginia. You know, that would be our biggest trip, maybe. So this is your, and, your, your university. You're learning with uh, all these yeah. pros driving. Uh, well, like yeah, you say, you're I'm, learning the car and you uh, and then you, I'm learning in the car. Yeah. I'm watching every friggin match I can. I mean, that's all I'm doing. You get back, and it's time to unpack your stuff, dry your clothes out. You need a good night's sleep. You know, you're going to work out the next day or eat or whatever, and back in the car you go. But that's what I wanted. I didn't have time to change my mind. Are you loving it, or are you going, what am I I doing? Oh, no, I'm loving it. I'm (laughs) I'm loving it. I'm going, going, this is what I wanted. This is what I'm doing for a living. And and are you kind of money you making? Oh, wow. I think I was, well, back then, I mean, for, for a guy that's 21 years old, I'm making more uh-huh. than the 21-year-old person is making. I mean, uh-huh. you know, um, wow. I can't even remember certain. This is but early it, it 80s. Was, what's that? Right. This is early 80s we're talking, right? Yeah, I was probably there. I was on the first Starcade in Greensboro. That's uh-huh. uh, when uh, Flair, uh, I think, won the belt from Harley Race. Because I was one of the baby faces, they send us down to congratulate them. You know, the whole ring's filling up, make it like a big schmoz. And um, yeah, so I was there probably eighty-two and eighty-three. So what, what's your gimmick? I mean, it was it was this Jack Hart at the time, or is that that? No. <laughs> the first TV I go there. My name is Barry Hart. Okay. Now, well, where did the heart back, come from? Because I know that that there there was Malenko gave it heart. to me. There was a Malenko gave heart, it to me and mistake and the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about any of that. I I'm just yeah. doing what I'm told. Your name yeah, is Barry right. Hart. I said okay, and then I go there. We're sitting yeah. in TV and there, Michael Hayes goes, "Listen, uh, we're gonna have to change your name yeah. because we got Gary Hart here and he's a heel and it's Gary and Barry. People are gonna get confused nowadays. They don't change it. They don't care. But back then it, it made a difference. It was heels and babies, separate locker yeah. rooms." Only a heel against a baby. There was nowhere ever a heel match or a baby against like they're doing now, which I like the format now better. But so Michael Hayes goes, um, yeah, that Barry Hart. Yeah, we're. he says, and he starts laughing, but I don't know that there's a Bret Hart. And he goes, we're going to call you Bret Hart. I said, oh, okay. Oh, but I don't know. Was it a rib on me or what? But yeah. I yeah. kept that for like two years. Really? Two years? Oh, right yeah. Was- <laughs> Yep. I think you had the extra T, wasn't it? Uh, B-R-E-T-T. Oh, yes, you're right. I did have the extra T. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Red Heart the Babyface. That was oh, me. Boy. Oh, boy. Underneath Babyface. 
Okay. So was there future heat when you did eventually meet the, the real Brett Hart? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? This is how that went down. I meet him, and he, he asked me what happened. And I tell him, because he don't know me from Adam, and yeah. he, he, he don't know me, and, I, and I tell him the story. It took like a year for him to loosen up, and then he realized this was a mistake. This kid could really wrestle. He's not a bad guy. And back in the day, I guess Brett had a huge house in Calgary when he was married to his uh, first wife, and his kids were all tiny. Yeah. He invites me to stay over there one night. We're doing the uh, Saddle Dome. And mm -hmm. it was cold, and it was uh, snowy out. And he says, yeah, you could stay at my house. And, and I, oh, thanks a lot. I mean, this was after two years of knowing him. And then I was told in the locker room, boy, if Brett asks you to stay at his house, that's a big deal. Uh -huh. That's like, you know, like passing a torch or whatever you want to call it. You know, uh -huh. it was definitely a compliment. And I remember rooming with him, I think, once. Once, I think. I roomed with him at the Radisson Suites in um, in Chicago because we uh -huh. used to go to um, what was that building? It's still there. Yeah. Uh, there's two now. There's the United Center, but the one before Rosemont. that, Rosemont Horizon. Rosemont Horizon. You know, I and remember that from the Event Center. So all these all these arenas still stuck in my head. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The Rosemont Horizon was pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. They had a Survivor Series there. Uh, heck, I remember Ken Shamrock wrestling there. We, he was on the card one time. And what was cool was you'd stay at the Best Western, and you mm -hmm. could walk from your room across the parking lot right into the back door of the Rosemont. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Then they got the United Center. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still a mecca of Chicago, the United Center. I think it's still called that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you're mm -hmm. living the dream here with uh, yep. you know working uh, the the North the Carolinas, I guess we call them. So sure. uh, do you stay there for a while, and then what's what's the next? Uh, okay, the next well I stayed I stayed there two years, and it's time it's time for me to go see. Um, what happened was Dusty Rhodes came in, and he was the booker, and he's got his own crew. He's got right. Barry Windham. He's got Mike Rotundo. He knew I was from Florida. He knew who I was, but I wasn't in that group. Okay. I mean, that happens, okay? And I was there two years. So yeah. Jay Youngblood got me booked in Florida. Huh? He says, Dutch Mantel is the booker. Huh? He says, you need to see him, this, this, and that. And that's what happened. And I went to uh, my first TV, saw him in the parking lot. We talked, and um, they changed my name. And I forgot who, who changed that name. I don't know if it was Dutch or Mike Graham. Yeah. We're going to call you Jack Hart, and you're going to be a heel. Oh. And I, I'm really liking this, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just working. I was there. Now, remember now, I'm at home. I'm from Florida. I'm at home, oh. and not too many people get a push when you live in Florida, like the only ones I know of offhand, I mean, really, you know, Briscoe's, Steve Kern, Brian Blair. Yeah. Now yeah. I could be added to the list. Yeah. And, and, and that was a good territory though, too, right? Oh that my was, God. Yeah, that was a lot. I mean, I, first of all, that's what I grew up on. Yeah. I watched, I was a, I was a fan in that building. Uh -huh. I went to that building to watch matches. Huh. So, this was an honor and a half, yeah. and oh my God! I so I lasted about, I guess I had a good two year run, but after a while they saw my work. I was putting different people over and so forth. But Dutch comes up with, "We're going to do this gimmick with you, where you lose these matches, and you lose these matches, and we're going to do it there, and you're going to get interviews, and then uh, all of a sudden I get a manager." I'm up at the desk with Gordon Soley. And then finally, they have a tournament at the Spartan Sports Center, University of Tampa, because the armory was closed, the Fort Hesterly Armory, the iconic Fort Hesterly Armory, every Tuesday night. That was like, I mean, that was like the Madison Square Garden of Tampa, but every Tuesday. It was so over that they would give you the results after the sports. The sports commentator, his name was Andy Hardy on Fox, Fox, 
uh, channel 13, mm-hmm. and he would give you the results of the rest. Hey, tonight at Fort Hesley Armory, uh, Dusty Rhodes defeated the assassin. You know, really? so it was big. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> it was big. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So we uh, we uh, you have to play heel. So you're loving that. Yep. Go. So we go to Spartan Sports Center instead, and it was pretty. It was a pretty cool place, and I, nobody tells me anything. There's a chart. We're having a tournament, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, "Okay, I, I beat this guy. I beat that guy. I'm in the main event with Mike Graham." Now remember, he's Tampa's favorite son. He's the Florida heavyweight champion, and Jack Hart beats him that night. Mm. One, two, three for the belt. Really? Oh uh, yeah. That's a, that's a good memory. <clears throat> That's it's it's awesome because Mike Graham, first of all, is an awesome person. I'm not just saying that he's the ultimate baby face. He's a mm-hmm. great baby face. He's a great athlete. He's a great technical wrestler. I don't think he's ever been a heel in his life. And when you're in there with Mike Graham as a heel experienced or not experienced, he will make you feel relaxed. Never loses his temper, never gets angry, none of that stuff. Yeah. He is a total businessman. Yeah. Between Yeah, total pro. Between him and his father, their mind. Mike Graham should have been working for Vince uh, as an agent or behind the scenes with finishes and all of that. Mm-hmm. Just like Jerry Jarrett did. Jerry Jarrett worked for Vince, too. There's another great mind. Mm-hmm. Jerry G- Jarrett is, is a great wrestling mind. Great finishes, great gimmicks. But anyway, uh, that was um, that was the deal. I won the Florida title, and I guess I kept it close to a year. Yeah, did they? I mean, did they have a run where you got you got to uh, you know with with Graham and? No, no, actually, no. They they didn't have a rematch. Huh? Yeah, they really? didn't have. I don't remember a rematch. They just fed me different people. I worked with yeah. Hector Guerrero, Tiger Conway Jr., uh, the Grappler. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, you know, just. Uh, Array of of opponents, Mike mm-hmm. Golden. So, yeah. So that yeah, was so cool. at this point, I mean, your your career is uh, you know uh, certainly on the, the upswing here, and you're yeah. looking uh, to where you know what's next. You know, people uh, remember those times of the territories, like you said. You get if you got a two year run, that was pretty damn good. Uh, a lot of times yeah. you'd be somewhere for eight months, you know, maybe a year if you had it going. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, it's a progression thing, especially when you're, you're starting out and you're mm-hmm. trying to uh, climb the ranks. And it mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, different territories. So uh, sure. from Florida, though, are, are you, are you, uh, you know, exchanging to other territories? When, when do you make that move to the, the WWF? Well, um, okay. So then I'm done in Florida. I make a phone call. To Jerry Jarrett. I talked to Jerry Jarrett. He wants me. He says, uh, could you be here in about a week or two or something like that? Memphis. Yeah. I go there as Jack Hart. They don't change my name. They keep the the gimmick. But I'm immediately getting a push as soon as I go there. So um, I go there. I I live in Nashville. I wound up staying in Nashville for 10 years. Uh, I came back to Florida because my father was dying, and I promised my father I would come back and take care of my mother. Uh-huh. And it was time to come home anyway. My wife is from uh, Florida. And uh, so I worked for Jerry only like six or seven months. I get a phone call from Pat Patterson. Hey, we've seen you on the TV. It's time to come back, uh, blah, blah, blah. He says, Barry, he says, got to understand um, – we're not going to probably do anything with you, but you would help us immensely. You've been here before. Your enhancement talent would be awesome, but you're going to make whatever you're making in Tennessee is going to be quadruple, which was true. I mean, there were shows I made for Vince first, second match. It took me all week to make for Jarrett's and I was main event Mm -hmm. because they put the, uh, they put the Southern tag team champions on me, uh, championship on me and chick Donovan. We beat Rocky Johnson and a little a man named Virgil, aka Mike Jones, Mike uh-huh. Soul Train Jones. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. a blast from the past. Yeah. So uh, to explain to people too is that uh, when and you had to make a decision here, uh, like you said, it was for money uh, yeah. that you know you could make a lot more money, but at the same time. Uh, yeah. 
you you're going to be like they said enhancement talent that they yeah. want you to, to go up there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Were you were you hesitant, or were you no. thinking I'm going to go up there and I'm going to show them what I can do and it will change? And because like yeah. you said, it doesn't sound like Pat promised you anything, but at right. the same time, how did you look at this opportunity? Oh, I looked at it at a financial aspect. See, you're a mark if you think think about this. Well, I could stay in Tennessee and wrestle six, seven nights a week and make for what I do in WWF in one in one night, but I got the tag belts. And how yeah. long could I stay there? Two or three years? Or I could go to Vince, the biggest in the world, major TV, and make quadruple up a week. But I'm enhancement. But I'm going to be there longer, and maybe they'll do something with me. But maybe they won't, but I'm better off there. I'm traveling more. I'm going different places. The farthest I went, by the way, when I worked for Jarrett, once a month, excuse me, um, Crockett Promotions, once a month we'd fly to Canada, Maple Leaf Gardens, and for Florida, once a month we'd fly to the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah, this is definitely the right move. Uh, I mean, financially... And and getting notoriety and getting out on a now remember now his TV is stronger than anybody's even back then. Yeah. You know I'm on superstars. I'm on you know all those shows. Challenge. I was on all yeah. of them. Yeah, you got I was more on TV all time them. than a lot of the superstars because you were. Yeah. I mean I but, was on the original. I was on I was on the original Raws. All that. The only thing I haven't been on ever is SmackDown. <laughs> really. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, uh, the, the thing is, though, I want to explain to people when we used to have these TVs uh, with wrestling, you know, Challenge and Superstars and the other shows, yep. we'd shoot dark yep. matches. Well, right. they would have what they call the uh, jobbers. And, and these are guys that would, a lot of them would be these local guys that would be, mm-hmm. when we would go to a city and they'd come in and I don't know what the hell they paid them, but they basically went in there and, these, and they would just get squashed they would just get right. destroyed and that was the purpose right. of it they put a superstar out there and destroy now there was a whole other uh, you know level to that when it was really when they had somebody they were trying to put over you they weren't going to put them in there with somebody uh who no. was basically a slab of meat they would needed a yeah. skilled individual who could work with them. right so what what did pat see in you or they see in you as maybe it was beyond uh, just pat that they saw that you could come and help them do that. Put right. these people over. Put these yeah, superstars. Definitely. They knew that. They knew it from when they they when I was there before and they probably I know they they have people watching. They were watching me and they were watching me in Florida and Tennessee and and everything else. So they kept an eye on me. So they see my work progress. And I think uh they needed me. And I helped them. They helped yeah. me. Well I think a lot of it has to do with selling. Yeah, it does. Really, that's what it comes down to. It actually, Sean, excuse me, it has to do with everything. It really does. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, selling, knowing the ring, not having an ego, don't get your feelings hurt. Oh, I shouldn't have to do that. You you can't be that. I mean, uh, this is pro wrestling, and if you're worried about your win-loss record, like I said, then go to UFC. Because when you go to the bank with that huge check, they don't say, did you win or lose? They say how much you want to put in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, That's and a lot say. of these people, yeah, exactly. And um, there were uh, very few people who had these skills. Uh, they, you know, yes. Mike Sharp was was one of them that they that you yes. uh, would see a lot. Uh, uh, Steve Lombardi was another one that uh, that also worked a great deal. And and you mm-hmm. were were certainly. And I, I tell you. Uh, you know, th- looking back, and I there were a lot of superstars, but I, I just remember seeing you a lot. <laughs> it, it just seemed like you were working all the time, and I don't know. I guess they liked how many, me. I didn't care. Well, I, I know but how many how many nights, uh, how many matches? A lot of times in, in a typical uh, mm-hmm. uh, TV taping, how many matches would you have in those two days? Oh, believe it or not, it's not as bad as you. Like when I first started there, they'd probably work me twice a night, once in a while, three. And then as my career progressed there, I was done after one taping. I was done. That was it. One, one time, one match, maybe two. You were on the first hour, Barry, and you're on the third hour. Okay. Thanks. You know, something like that. I've gone up 
all warmed up, stretched, pumped up, got the oil on, go up to the gorilla position, and, ah, your match was canceled, Barry, but you can go home. And I go, oh, thank you. Hey, I got paid for putting on my boots, and I got paid well. I've seen other guys bitch, moan, talk out loud so other people could hear it, and then they get stooged on. What are you doing, man? You just got paid a good amount of money for lacing up your boots and taking them off. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. See, there's no respect, it, there's no clue there. And that's not a matter of being a man or anything. That's a matter of being a pro. And a real pro does things like that. And if you don't believe me, ask Kurt Angle. He's a real pro. Yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. um, when, when uh, outside of TV tapings, because I never realized uh, what you were doing in the meantime, you were traveling to all these, other, these house shows as well and working the cars, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. So what yes, was that? TV was. Yeah, give Go us ahead. an idea of what your life was like then. Like a typical Well, as week. far as, well, yeah, like when I first started there, you, you were working a lot. Like you may have a day or two off and then you come back. Then sometimes you had a week off or stuff. It was, it was sporadic. It was yeah. weird. But uh, the TVs were normally, if I'm not mistaken, Monday and Tuesday. Yes. Yep. Let's see, Monday night and then Tuesday you would do a... a excuse me, um, a superstars or what have you. And, and there was raw, that type of format. And, uh, it's all day. I mean, you're there all day. You got to be there early and you're leaving late. And then you get out of there and you may be in that town or you may have to drive to the next town. Just got to get a hotel. I mean, you know, it was, it was a grind, but it was, I did it, but see, I did it because first of all, I ate right. I took care of myself. I got to get to bed. I mean, I'm not out carousing, spending money, at bar tabs, all none of that. There was no way I could survive. And I'm not one of those guys. Well, you could get there five hours late, three hours late. I'm not Hulk Hogan, okay, or anything like that. Nothing, you know. He could come in later, and your main eventers. And I understand that they paid more dues than me, and they don't need to be there that early. But I needed to be, and I followed rules. Yeah, and, and you. Uh, like uh, we've seen so many, we've lost so many. You probably witnessed a lot of uh, what this fame and, and and the money did to these guys. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to separate your gimmick. You can't live your gimmick. I mean, you want to do it properly on TV and what have you, but a real pro could separate it. You don't have to live it 24-7. And one that comes to my mind, because I met him and I was – flabbergasted is superstar Billy Graham. I mean, when you see him on TV, incredible. When you see Wayne Coleman in the locker room, he's Wayne Coleman. He is not yeah. superstar. Hey, Barry, how are you? You yeah, doing all right? Yeah, you working yeah. out? He's very soft-spoken, real nice guy, warming up, taking his time. And when you get in the ring with superstar Billy Graham, it's a night off. Oh, my God. It's like working with air. Yeah, it's incredible. But when he turns on the gas, the juice, when he turns on the electricity, so to speak, he turns it on. You go, this is the same guy. That's incredible. That's, you know, it's just like when you watch a good actor and you'll see Tom Cruise in a movie and he's a serious role. And then you'll see him in a comedy. You go, dude, could do anything. And there's a lot of actors like that. That's you're an artist. That's that's big time to me. Anyway, it is when you could turn. Like that, the switch on and off and be convincible, it's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, you could do everything. Uh, you could work tag matches. You worked uh, singles. Um, yeah. Who were who are, uh, some singles. of the – Did you? Yeah. Uh, but uh, who were some of the ones you uh, – some of the guys that you really like to work with? Oh, wow. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, as far as guys on my level, I loved working with the Armstrongs, all of them. Tim yeah. Horner. Brady Boone, Reno Riggins, Owen Hart, Skip, Chris Candido. Um, Brett wow. Hart, Brett, um, Brett. Brett, yeah. I yeah. mean, as far as on my level, we were on the card now. As far as other people. I know, but you got general, matches yeah. with these guys, too, though. I mean, you, at one yeah. point or another, you were in the ring with everybody. Oh, yeah. I loved, yeah, Brett Hart. I loved working with Don Morocco, uh, Piper. Um, wow. Uh, uh, um uh, one man gang was awesome. Earthquake was awesome. Uh, Yokozuna was fine. Um, all of all of Samoans. Jimmy Snuka, phenomenal. 
Uh, wow, Bob Backlund, Bob Orton Jr. Um, yeah, see, folks, geez. he worked with everybody. At what point? <laughs> he's yeah, just yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, uh, and let's talk. You did get some. You did get some push at, at, at oh, uh, yeah. a few times. And uh, what did that mean to you? And, and what do you remember about those times that they did the, the, the things that you got to be involved in? Well, the biggest thing as far as, okay, we mentioned Florida, but, you know, um, the biggest thing was, you know, uh, with WWF was the push, yeah. you know, with, with SummerSlam. I was the captain of my team at Survivor Series. I was in the Rumble. I was in all of those. Um, believe it or not, I was in WrestleMania, but I think I was a dark match, but still, I was participant. I was on the uh, celebrity softball team in Anaheim when we had the uh, thing there. I was a part of the WrestleMania 13. The I think the logo was the Heat. Uh, it was a hockey theme of some sort of, because uh, I remember we got jerseys with our name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you always, when you're on a WrestleMania, you get a gift. It's always a grab bag or a jersey or a special hat, you know, something yeah. to remember. And, uh, you know, that was pretty big and, uh, you know, involved me in the promos and what have you. I mean, all of that. And then, of course, traveling abroad. I mean, I, I went, shoot, Italy, Paris, uh, London, Germany. Um, I went independently. I've been to uh, Zimbabwe, um, Austria. Uh, wow. I did uh, uh, a lot of travel uh, the world. You, a lot of travel. Yeah, I, I really liked Johannesburg for Vince. That was awesome. That was yeah. really uh, uh, my Cape Town. I love that place. Just awesome. And, Barry, uh, when did when did it get to the point where you were mm-hmm. over with the fans that, that they recognized you? Do you remember the first time you're like, wait a minute, these folks are, <laughs> you know, well, uh, you I know getting behind it, you? And- yeah, I could tell. In, in the early, I think they just liked my wrestling ability and yeah. my, the pat on the back. And they knew I wasn't just somebody. They knew I was more than just somebody. Yeah. They may have not knew who I was, but they did know I was somebody. Yeah. You know, well, just like sometimes you you're in the, what's that? They saw you a lot. You know, it's uh, right. like that favorite, that favorite guy in the movie that shows up all the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, and then, of course, after they did the thing at the SummerSlam, then the floodgates were open. I mean, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was great. I mean, I'm involved with Hakushi. He's my, floor, he's my tag team partner. We do a, a commercial for Karate Fighters uh, by um, Mattel or Hasbro. I mean, that was cool. I mean, there was a lot of stuff involved. I was in, I'll never forget, I was in a pre-match thing in downtown New Haven, that pe- place was packed outside, like, you know, like you see on, you know, when you see um, they, some of these things they do on Good Morning America, they have the live concert in the middle of the street. This was, we were at a podium, me, Michael Hayes, Phineas Godwin, and Henry Godwin were all singing Sweet Home Alabama mm-hmm. in a microphone to these people before they went into New Haven Coliseum. I'm a part of that. I was supposed to be in there and cause yeah. I'm somebody on the card. I mean, it just, you know, it was pretty cool meeting, uh, you know, it was pretty cool doing something like that. Where did the, uh, the pat on the back come from? Wow. That actually came from, I was wrestling amateur in high school and oh, really? I really did. Yeah, I really did. I really just was really did. And I won my match by a couple of points, and I was really proud of myself. I don't know why I did that, but I got disqualified, and I got reamed <laughs> out by the coach and yelled at and benched and everything else. And I said, I'll never – I don't know what made me think about it when I was a pro, and I turned heel, and I said, oh, my God, I got to do this. Well, you remember and how much worked. heat you got the first time. Oh, did. yeah. The secret of the pat on the back, though, is you don't want to undersell it or oversell it. Because I, I remember Tony Gurria telling me, he says, you can't do that 20 times in a match. He says, you're introduced, you do it. Before a great suplex, you could do it. Maybe you start your heat and you cut them off and you did something uh, heelish. Then you could do it, you know. Yeah. And maybe after well, you win. great because then he'd come back and squash you. And, you know, be- <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. 
But, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was two kinds of pat on the back, too. If you noticed, the short one was for spot shows. The emphasized one was for the big shows, Boston Gardens, Madison Square Garden, the Spectrum. You know, you had, a, you had to have the deluxe main event pat on the back. That's right. You'd save it up for that. That's right. Save right. it up. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, that that journey through the the WWF, I mean, it, uh, it must have been a lot of fun because uh, during that mm-hmm. time, and it was some of the greatest time in in professional wrestling. Uh, you know, and I'm not just saying that because we, we see what's happening today, but it was just this this era that uh, just you know captured. Uh, they had so many great superstars. Uh, the storylines were so great. Um, you know, the, the, the Saturday morning feel to the shows, you know, the kids were just, uh, you know, crazy to get up for. It was just, mm-hmm. it just, it, it just all was a really perfect time in professional wrestling. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I was glad to be a part of that. I mean, that's, that's when, awesome. uh, how, remember the ice cream bars? Oh, yeah. They, they had, the, the merchandise they had back then was just ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah, ice cream yeah. bars. Uh, the, just the watches that were just uh, you know the never watches, worked. The shirts, the <laughs> shirts and hats. We were getting them every pay per view, and they were nice. Yeah, yeah, it was just amazing. It's really cool. It's really it's been great talking with you, Barry. Uh, before I, I wrap up, though, I wanted to uh, you know ask you: Were most of these guys that you work with were they always really appreciative uh, after you were done with a match with them? Yes. I would I would say, let me think, I would say 90%. There was 10% that uh, maybe they were ungrateful. One of them was the ultimate warrior, ungrateful. Um, you know, I don't like calling out people, but um, I, I'm doing it with him. Um, and there was, there was some other people. Um, yeah, I didn't care too much working with Chris Adams. Um there was just some people that weren't appreciative, maybe jealous, maybe I didn't do their finish right. Well, if you think about it, is Barry Horowitz, he's known for working hard. So it was an accident, or maybe you didn't do it right, and you don't want to fess up to it. Yeah. See, so it's not a matter of, I have a good resume and good reputation for being a pro. Yeah, and, so I, and I would guarantee you're gonna that. Try to bl- yeah. If you're going to try to blame something on me, I don't particularly care for that. I didn't uh, care working with Adrian Adonis either. He's oh, a cheap shotter. But I would say that ninety percent. Yeah, but I would say that ninety percent though were people who either came up through the generations of uh, yeah. the business or who came up through the ranks like you did in territories and having that great respect for the business and what everybody does mm-hmm. when they go on the ring. You mentioned you know when you go in the locker room, I remember everybody would you'd go around and shake everybody's hand because. Every one of those people is helping to put food on your table. They're they're also they're helping you take care of your family, and I always right. really loved that about the business. I really did. I thought that was just mm-hmm. a really awesome part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I will say this though, this has only happened. It happened a couple times, but only with two people, and this back in the day was big. Now people don't talk about this, but I remember. In Hamburg, Pennsylvania, the locker rooms were separate for yeah. the TV. That was on a Tuesday night. No, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. And yeah. I'll never forget this. It only happened a few times. They didn't do it always. Don Morocco did it, and Roddy Piper would do it. And this is what happened. I worked with him on TV, got him over. Now, remember now, it's 1980 or 81. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's just say the referee was, um, what was his name? Oh, God, it could have been Dick Worley, Billy Caputo, or Roman Gibraltar. I forgot what his name was. Uh, I forgot. But uh-huh. anyway, those were the main guys. And then, of course, you know, you got Joey Morella and then um, Kyoto yeah. and what have you. But yeah. I'm going back even further. So let's just go with Dick Worley and those guys. And let's just say Dick Worley, he'd pull me to the side, and he'd hand me a $20 bill. And he'd say, this is from Morocco for getting them. He says, thank you very much for getting them over so strong. Uh-huh. It was like a tip. Yeah. And 20 bucks to a 21-year-old kid that's already making a couple of hundred that night, it was gratifying, and it was pretty cool. I said, oh, man, that's flattering. And I wasn't yeah. doing it for, you know, I didn't expect, 
I was stunned when it first happened to me. I go, what? I thought it was a rib. And it wasn't. Oh. He did it a couple times, but only two people in my career. And it was Don Morocco and it was Roddy Piper. Well, and it was, so like guess, you said, it wasn't so much the money. It was the fact that no. they were saying, hey, great job. Yeah, I was yeah. like, and yeah, and I always got along with both of them, but especially Don Morocco. I mean, took care of me in a ring. That man could do anything. He was the total, he was the real total package. Promos, look, work, heel, baby. He was the total, the total. And I, I was told that they were going to put the world title on him too. Yeah. Back in the day. Well, yeah. Well, hey, Barry, how can uh, folks get in touch with you? Yes. Uh, well, I'm real new to Facebook. I've only been on that a few months now, but my Facebook page is going strong, and uh, it's doing very, very well. And that's mostly how they, they can also go to BarryHorowitz.com, WWE.com, MrTechnical.info, and all you got to do is type in my name, Barry Horowitz, and a lot of stuff comes up on yeah. YouTube, on different organizations when I was with WCW, and all the other small, you know, territorial organizations. Yeah. I've well, worked about for almost uh, every organization around, and including uh, all Japan. Yeah, well, you spent a lot, like I said, you travel the world. And uh, I'll tell you, Barry, I want to thank you for enhancing the, the, the world of professional wrestling, because I tell you, I had the, have the utmost respect for you. I did then. I, I knew how yep. hard you worked, and, and it was a lot of it was, uh, you know, you didn't get a lot of appreciation because they just expected no. it from you, and they knew what kind of a pro you were. But I tell right. you what, it was it was definitely appreciated, man. I, it was, uh, well, just I appreciate you, Sean, because I remember back in the day that you were like that. I could feel it when I shook your hand, and you would tell me about my match. You could tell because there was other, I'm not going to mention names, but there was other commentators that, you know, didn't have a clue, or they were jealous, or they were something, but they weren't like you and there was a few others and they were grateful and just, you know, they were, you know, professional and, and pleasant and, and meant it. There's a yeah. difference, you know, they meant it and you meant it and I could see it in your eyes and, and yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, meeting you and when you would talk to me or stuff, we'd, we'd have a little chit chat cause you're busy too. Now you got to do your thing too. Hmm. And I got to do my thing. So it was yeah. always like rushing a little bit because mostly I would see each other at TV Maybe once in a while a house show. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are a true superstar. And uh, I can't yeah, wait for thank us you, Sean. to meet up somewhere down the road. But uh, thank you so much for being on primetime. Oh, thank you. I, I, I mean, I heard uh, I, different people have told me, they said, you know, primetime's got a big following. And it's going to, you know, you're on there. That's awesome. And I said, wow, I'm, I'm glad to be on there. I mean, number one, it, it's a huge podcast. And plus, it was great. When you contacted me, I mean, it was just, uh, wow, haven't seen Sean since 92 or 93. So it uh, it was an honor, and I appreciate it very much. You know, it was it was so great to catch up with Barry Horowitz. Uh, that man, as I mentioned before, uh, we went to the conversation, has that enthusiasm about the business and life uh, as he did when he first started. You could just uh, hear it in his voice. And among uh, those who, who just loves professional wrestling and who really appreciates all the opportunities that came his way and, and uh, during his career that he had. And, um, you know, I love the Mike Sharp underarm deodorant story. <laughs> like, hilarious. But uh, so many. And really, he wrestled all of the big names, all of the talents in the, the WWF and WWE and, uh, you know, sent many of them on their way to uh, superstardom. And he just appreciated. He never, you know, it's true. And this is my theory, too, on all of this. There are jobbers, and the jobbers, now, they're the guys that would show up at these TV tapings. Maybe they're going to one of the local schools. Uh, They'd get 50 bucks or something to go there and get the living crap beat out of them. And they're basically were hamburger meat. And then you have enhancement talent. And these are guys that uh, were very skilled wrestlers. Uh, They had a great attitude about... uh, doing the job or whatever you want to call it. And uh, they really were artists. They knew how to put these guys over. So there's, to me, there's a difference between a jobber and an enhancement talent. And uh, Barry Horowitz was one of the best enhancement talents ever. Uh, I mentioned uh, all of our great Patreon members out there and all the benefits being a member. One of the perks, birthday shout-outs. And we have one today, although I'm a bit confused on how to handle this one because... 
It's for Chris uh, Chris Marsh, uh, Chris Marsh, who was recently featured on uh, our PTSM Event Center. And if you if you saw that segment, um, I'm I don't know what to do here. So should I throw to me and have me wish him a happy birthday? I don't I don't really know, but I'll tell you what I'm just going to say: Happy birthday, Chris. Okay. <laughs> That segment was kind of funny. I hope you checked it out on uh, Patreon. And uh, also to all of our Patreon members, we have another AMA, Ask Mooney Anything. Uh, It is happening this Thursday, June 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern, if I'm correct. That is this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We have a lot of fun during those. Uh, Just like the name of our gathering, Ask Mooney Anything, you can ask me anything uh, that you want about my career, about uh, matches, about events, whatever. And if you want to send me questions in advance because maybe you can't make it or you just want to uh, get them out there and it'll help me because I can jog my memory. Maybe I'll have more stories than just uh, getting them off the cuff there. But uh, post them up on our Patreon page and I will answer them and then uh, you can catch the replay if you can't be there with us live. Otherwise, I will see all of you live. And that means see because we could see each other you can come up on screen with me. Uh, we'll see you all live this Thursday. Evan will be sending all of you an invite via email, and all you have to do is click on that link and join us. Uh, if you haven't become a member again, uh, what are you waiting for? Just go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney. That's patreon.com slash primetimemooney. Another great episode coming up this next week. I can't wait to find out who our Patreon members choose. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. In the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.